I do want to remind you about Uproar. Uproar is going to be amazing this year. We have probably the highest, uh, the highest already of people registered um, that we've ever had. Now, we no longer go to the arena. We have Uproar here. For those who don't know what Uproar is, it's our youth convention. It's a free youth convention. This is the 10th or 11th? The 10th year, the 10th year celebration of Uproar. And I remember the very first year Pastor Cody came to me and said, I really believe God's telling me to start a, a youth convention that's free. Most youth conventions for teenagers cost almost $200 just to register, never mind what it costs for a hotel or food or anything like that. And he said, I want to do this for free. And I said, son, you better know what this means. And then he handed me the list of the guys that he wanted to come. And I'm saying, you know that's $20,000, right? You know it's 20 grand to put this on, minimum. And he said, yeah, dad, but I know this is God and God will perform. Within like a, less than a week, we didn't tell anybody, less than a week, uh, somebody came and, uh, and said, I, uh, I just feel, actually, he asked for the church records. He wanted to look over the records, looked over the records and said, okay, this looks good. I want to donate $10,000 to Uproar. And then I think about a month or so later, another, one, uh, another individual led by the Holy Spirit donated over $9,000 to Uproar. Within two donations, the very first Uproar was almost completely paid for. On the 10th year, we're looking at a budget of $75,000. And they raise the money from folks like you that donate on a monthly basis. You take it as a part of the vision. But also, man, I think it's completely paid for. It's almost completely paid for already. And God is just so faithful. We bring in literally the largest ministries of the United States for youth and bring them into this place and this place just rocks. What's that, dear? Yeah, Holy Spirit filled. We won't have them in if they're not Holy Ghost. Amen? So they come in here, and what a great move of God. If you have a teenager, you need to get them to the uproar. So many teenagers have been changed at the uproar conference for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I just wanted to say, share that. I believe it's so important. If you're watching online, you need to make sure you bring young men and young women. And if you are an adult and want to participate with it, uh, the best way to do that is to offer your help. And they're going to have a meeting next Sunday after church, second service, if you are interested in helping at the uproar. Amen? Today is Friend Day. I love people. I just love friends. I love people. And uh, it's important to know that friends, friendship was not created by man. Friendship was created by God. In fact, what's really interesting is when you look at creation, God said, let there be, and there was, and he called it good. The only one thing that he said that he needed to add to was when he created Adam, who was created in his image, he said, there's something else I have to do. They, he needs to help me. It's not good for man to be alone. So the only time you ever heard God say it wasn't good was when it came time for friendship. It's so important that you recognize that Intimacy, relationship, and friendships were created by God because God wants it from us. Therefore, God created it for us. But many have such a distorted concept of a friendship. Have you ever like, felt like you just didn't fit in? I've had people come to this church and they say, well, pastor, I don't fit in. I said, there's 1,300 people that come here. How could you not fit in? Usually what it comes to when a person doesn't fit in is simply they're wounded people. 
which means they've had a friendship or have had a relationship that went bad and they are hurt inside and instead of dealing with it and getting healed of it, they close themselves up, therefore protecting their emotions. And I want you to know that that is not what God's desire is for you. God, I've had people say, well, pastor, I don't need friends. And pastor, I really honestly don't like people. All that is simply saying is that person is wounded inside and they need God to heal them because God created every one of us to have friends and to be a friend and to be able to encourage, strengthen, and build other people. So today, if you're an individual, when I start talking about friend day, you get yourself in that little tizzy, and you start closing yourself off, I'm asking that you allow the Holy Spirit to get into your heart today and start healing you from the inside out. Because God wants you healthy. Jesus paid for you to be healthy, not just in your spirit, man, that you're going to heaven, not just in your body, that your earth suit will work without without restraint, but also your soulish man, your intellect, emotions, and will. God created you to be whole. He desires you to be whole, and Jesus paid for you to be whole. Can I hear an amen in the house this morning? The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24, there are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever had a friend that tried to destroy you? Have you ever had somebody that you had in your life that you realized was nothing more than just one of the most dangerous people you've ever met in your life? Now, I want you to realize that, that the Bible says here that that person, friend, quote unquote, will destroy you. But there are friends, Jesus is the greatest that sticks closer than a brother. There are friends that build you. There are friends that strengthen you. Because our concept is so twisted and contorted, we all have, you know, when you have Facebook, you're trying to get friends. I want you to know that the majority of people on your, on your Facebook are not your friends. I have, um, I remember when I hit 5,000 friends on Facebook. It came up, somebody else asked to be a friend, and it came up and said, you can have no more friends. So you have to go and you have to start another type of Facebook, you know. And, and so, and then I, I still like that other Facebook. So somebody else just came up the other day and said, can I be a friend? And I actually knew them. And so I, I decided, I said, what I got to do is I've got to manage my friend list. So I went into my friend list and I started going through my friends. And I, I don't even know who that is. I don't got a clue who that is. Delete, 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 delete. I'm going, do you realize the majority of people you have on your Facebook that you call friends are not your friends? But yet that's something that so many people are after because they want to feel the need and the desire, they have a desire to be needed. Friendship is important. We search after, listen, uh, have you ever read the book Tribes? It's a phenomenal book showing how everybody wants to fit in somewhere. And so I was reading the book of tribes and, and how tribes are even in church. You ever, you ever heard somebody say, well, that church is just a bunch of, what do they call that? Clicks. All the church is is clicks. Well, of course it is. That's the stupidest statement I've ever heard in my entire life. Of course there are clicks because we don't all get along together. We all get near people that we like. 
You got to love everybody, but you don't got to like everybody. And you don't like everybody. But you don't got to love everybody. Amen. Of course there are cliques in church because we don't all like the same thing. Amen. We're not all the same age. Amen. So it's amazing to me when I was reading this book on tribes and, and my wife and I were down, we were down in Daytona Bike Week and we're on Main Street and we're watching all the motorcycles pass. That's one of the fun, one of the fun things down at Bike Week is just standing there on the side of the road watching thousands of motorcycles go by. That works for me, but maybe not for you. Again, that we call that a click. And uh, so here we are, we're watching, and, and I'm watching all of a sudden a whole group of people with 30-inch wheels go by on their Harleys. Oh, they're winding it up, and I'm going, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then I watched a whole bunch of trikes go by, and, and, then I watched, and then I watched a bunch of low riders go by, and then I watched some choppers go by, and then I actually saw it. I saw the V10 Viper motorcycle. Three of them went by together. Why? Because they're a tribe. Everybody's looking for a place to fit in. Everybody's looking for a place to be desired, to be wanted, to have genuine friendship. That's not something that was created by man. God created that inside of you. God put that inside of you. But the problem is not that God put that inside. The problem is when we have a twisted mindset and understanding of friendship because then we begin to have friendships that are toxic and not building. We have, we have friendships that are going to tear us down and not build us up. We have to recognize that God who created friends and friendship designed it to be a position to where it's going to be a blessing and not a cursing, a strengthening and not a weakening that God will use other people in your life to bless you so that you can be all, all what I mean by all that God can be, uh, all that you can be is not only be a blessing to them, but them be a blessing to you. See, God created this from the very beginning. Like I said, he said it's not good for man to be alone. But even with that, when, when they became together, when Adam and Eve were together, that friendship, that relationship, that oneness, we then had God walking with them in the cool of the day. God had a friendship with mankind. God loved spending time with mankind. And I want you to know something. God is a genuine friend. We also see in the book of James chapter 2, 21 through 23, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham had shown to be, was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scripture says. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Here it is. He was even called a friend of God. Many times we want God to be our friend, but we don't want to be God's friend. We want God to be uh, that unconditional love, that unconditional friend in our life. But when it's time for us to be, come on now, friends to God, we aren't many times stable. The Bible's talking very clearly, and Jesus said it the best in John chapter 15, verses 14 and 15. He said, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father has told me. One of the great parts of this is recognize that Jesus wants to be your friend. This is about relationship with our God. This is about knowing our God. 
But the challenge with humanity is that many times because God is unseen, we search after friendships which are seen, and we bank more on what is seen than what is not seen. And the challenge with that is you're going to put your faith in something that is temporary and and, and not solid rather than put your faith in somebody that is consistent, is forever, is solid and will always be who he says he is. Friendship is important. The Bible declares and shows that there are different types of friends. Now, we all know friendship. In fact, what's very interesting is loneliness has now become one of the largest things in America and across the world, especially with all this diabolical stuff of of separation and keeping people in isolation. In fact, England recently actually added to the parliament a position. You ready? The position is on the loneliness of England. Because so many people are lonely and suicide is at a higher level than ever before, they've actually created a position in parliament and this whole guy's job is to eliminate loneliness in England. Even in America, how many people are absolutely lonely in the middle of a crowd? We're watching as this pandemic and we watched as isolation, the suicide rate of children rose. Drug, uh, drug overdoses were up, I, I believe it was 90 some odd percent. It is amazing to see that people are striving and looking for some level of confidence from somebody which true friendship provides that they then have a desire to be needed and need to be desired. This is where the body of Christ has to truly understand friendship. Now, one of the saddest parts of pastoring is watching people that have made a genuine change for God. I'm talking they've had a genuine, they've come to meeting with Jesus. They truly changed. God came into their life and transformed them walk away for another man, a woman, money. Listen, now, I'm not down in camping. Camping? We lose, I can't tell you how many people through the summer. They camp all summer. They work all week. I want you to skip your work rather than skip church. Of course, you wouldn't do that because money's important. Not bad to take a vacation. We all need a vacation. Can I hear an amen? amen. Y'all need to pray for me. Can, will, will you pray for me? Yeah, you'll pray for me? Pray for me tomorrow. Amen. You need to pray, like you need to get up at 3.30 a.m. tomorrow morning and start praying. I'm going to do what's called the iron butt. It is 1,000 miles and 24 hours on the Harley Davidson. We leave tomorrow morning at 3.30 a.m., out of friendship for my brother-in-law. Yeah, you need to pray because my buttocks already hurts and I haven't even sat on it yet. (laughs) The only thing I'm looking forward to, to be honest with you, the only thing I'm looking forward to about this iron butt is I love hanging out with my brother-in-law. He is a genuine friend to me. I enjoy Ken Clark, and he's the only other one going. And and I enjoy spending time with Ken. He's a great man of God. But I I just want you to know that, you know, friends are important. I know you'll pray for me. I know you're going to get up at 3.30 a.m. and pray for me tomorrow. Did you hear that? 
Now, there was no, like, actual words spoken. <laughs> this is what I heard up here. <laughs> That's all I heard. <laughs> I heard groaning. And I want to say it was groaning in the spirit, but it had nothing to do with the Holy Ghost at this moment. <laughs> that was all about your sleep. <laughs> Amen. My two friends are going to get up at 3.30 in the morning and pray for me. And my wife will still be sleeping. Hallelujah. <laughs> Most of us have what we call acquaintances, not real friends. And even in acquaintances, there's categories that you need to identify. Why do we need to identify the friends that are in our life? Because the friends that are toxic, you need to keep at a different distance to those who are genuine. And many of us have never been taught about genuine friendship. So we have this miscontorted, this twisted mentality that everyone who shows us attention and likes us, now let's be honest now. I, I've seen so many people say to me, Pastor, when I got saved and, and when I got born again, my friends all turned on me. Well, baby, if they turned on you, then they weren't your friends. But that mentality of my friends turned on me showed me that they didn't have the true understanding of biblical friendship that God has for them. Therefore, they were willing to satisfy to have somebody who pacified them as long as they agreed with them. Oh, that's right. Let's just talk about the different, there are two main types of acquaintances that you have in your life. Out of my 5,000 friends, just in my friend, friend book, I bet there are even less than half of them that are these. Most of them don't even know who I am, have never met me, and don't really care. But the fact is, they'll call themselves friends. Here's a friend. It's called a comrade. Every one of you have these people in your life. What is a comrade? A person who calls themselves a friend, but they're actually not a friend. They're a comrade. It's a, a group of people that are around you that aren't necessarily a true friend, but they don't like something you don't like. It's amazing to me to watch the camaraderie when people leave his tabernacle. I have found people that did not like each other when they came to church. They would not talk to each other. They were not friends with each other. They did not have any association with each other. But the moment they left, if they left a little bent out of shape, they would make sure they found each other. And then they loved each other. Because they had one thing in common. They hated Spencer. Just wanna, I just want to talk to you about the encouragement of my son this morning in the kitchen. I came out this morning. Not all my clothes are at home. Many of them are here at the office. And um, most of my clean shirts were here. So I, all I had on was my white T-shirt, my tank top, and I had a jacket on. And I walked out into the kitchen, and Cody said, don't do that, Dad. And he said, people hate you enough already. <laughs> I was trying to find the encouragement in that. There was none. But you'll find that you have comrades in your life that you call friends that aren't really there for you. They just hate something you hate. The problem with that type of friend is that when you stop hating what they hate, they're no longer going to be your friend. You now are their enemy. 
It's amazing to me how uh, I've talked to individuals and they, they've, they were once for when they were not serving the Lord. They were for, let's just say, uh, abortion. And they were for it and they agreed with it and they didn't, believe it was, uh, they didn't believe it was actual murder. They had never been taught, never been shown. They got born again. And then there was a transformation and they saw what God said about abortion. And so they took an opposite posture. And now all of a sudden, all these people that were there friends were not just not their friends anymore, but now there was absolute opposition to try to even destroy them. You see, there are people in your life that you call friends that are really not your friends. They're simply people that you would call comrades because they dislike what you dislike. And you've got to know this. They're leaving you because you're changing forward. I said you're changing forward. A true friend wants you to change forward. A fake friend or a comrade will always want you to remain the same because it will validate their lack of growth. You've got to make a decision that not everybody in your life should be in your life. I said not everybody in your life should be in your life. I said not everybody you call friend really is your friend. There's another group of people that call, we call acquaintances and they're called constituents. These are friends because they agree with something that you agree with. Maybe you like to knit. Therefore, they're your friend because you can talk about knitting. Or maybe you like motorcycles, so they're your friend because you can talk about motorcycles. You like hunting, therefore you have a group of friends that you hunt with. But they have nothing else to do with you. They're just quote-unquote friends. But the fact is, is that when you no longer like what they like, you now are not their friend any longer. They now won't talk to you because there's really nothing to talk about. It would amaze us to where we really look at, they say that if you have had in your lifetime two or three genuine friends, you are an extremely wealthy person. It's, no, it's important to know that Jesus had the same situation. You know, Jesus had groups of friends, and they were categorized differently. We had the 12. How many of you remember Jesus had 12 disciples? And they hung with him, man, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for over three years when he did ministry on the planet. But even out of the 12, there were three that were closer friends than the rest of them that were in the group. Never become jealous of somebody else's friendship because it's, it just simply means that they weren't called to be that place in your life. And that's okay because God will make sure there's somebody else in your life that will encourage and strengthen you on your walk with him. But even after the 12, there were 70. We see this in the, in the, in the Gospels where Jesus sent out 70. And then we see not only that is, we see that Jesus had a whole crew of people that called him their friend. They, they, they loved Jesus, quote unquote. They hung around Jesus. They followed Jesus. But then in John chapter 6, 6, 6, we see that Jesus had made a hard statement. He said, if you won't drink my blood or eat my flesh, then you cannot be my disciples. And they, said, they thought he was talking about cannibalism. He was talking about him dying on the cross and raising from the dead and participating with the new covenant. But they didn't understand that. And the Bible says in John 6, 6, 6, at this point, many of his disciples, he called them disciples, turned away and deserted him. It's not always bad to have your quote-unquote friends leave you. 
Now, remember, you can't get a Judas kiss unless somebody's close to you. I've had some pretty good kisses. Yep. I've had some pucker-up, sloppy ones. I had somebody I actually called a genuine friend, and for years we, we, uh, we actually uh, vacationed together, hung out together, text all day. My kids actually said, did you talk to your boyfriend today? And, and you know, that kind of, it was a friendship. We were always together. And, and then I realized, and this is one of the things you'll find about constituents, is they like what you like. But now when you don't always agree with them, they'll turn away from you, take what they liked from you, and try to reproduce it on their own. That's why you can't always and you should not share your vision with people that are not your genuine friends. But when that person left my life and I, I, I mourned over that friendship, when that person left my life, now that it is all complete, all healed up, I look back and I say, thank you, Jesus, because I thought they were a genuine friend when they were just a constituent, when they were just waiting and agreeing and liking what I did. But when I didn't agree with them, they turned on me, not just turned on me, but then tried to duplicate exactly what I was doing in the first place. Thank you, Jesus, for deliverance. Some of you need deliverance from some of your friends. Yeah, when God removes them, it gets bloody. So you got to be smart. Get rid of them yourself. How do you know when your friend should not be your friend? Well, I'm not saying that you should have all Christians be your friends because some Christians you don't want as your friend either. Say amen. amen. When they're talking doubt, unbelief, when they're talking, when you get around them, they start vomiting all the gossip on your life. Those are not friends you want. I don't care if they have the tag Christian or not. Bad company corrupts good morals. That's what the word says. So it don't matter whether they're good or, or whether they're Christian or not Christian. You still have to determine whether this is a friend that I want in my life that is going to build and strengthen and be somebody positive in my life to, so that I can change forward. Or is it going to be somebody that I'm always going to have to drag behind me? Or is always trying to drag me back. Whoop, come on now. A lot of people have friends, constituents, and, and, and the other one is comrades that are constantly drawing. Here's how you know whether they should remain in as friends or not. When you're around them, if their influence is stronger on you than you are on them, you need to extract them from your friend list. When you go and you, somebody came to me and said, well, you know, I'm just going to go down to the bar and have a whiskey and, and just sit down at the bar, but I'm not going to get drunk. Well, baby, that's wrong friends. When you sit down and somebody hands you a beer and you say, no, man, I don't drink anymore, and they look at you and they stop marking you, well, you know what, I liked you better when you were drunk. Well, they are not your friend. Because a true friend will always celebrate no matter what decision you make forward. Say amen. Dude, you know, like, I liked you better when you were high. You know, when we were getting high together, man, you were fun. Now, you're just a religious freak. You want a hit? Yeah, man, I'll take a hit. 
And then you want to go to church? No, you're a hypocrite. Sinners know how to live. Sinners know whether you're full of crap or not. Say amen or oh my. If you got friends that you start cussing when you're around them, but you don't cuss when you're at church, now listen now, I don't care what you say. I've been around a lot of Marines. And I've seen them sprawl out that F-bomb so well in a sentence. You, you just sit back and you say, how in the world can they make sense out of that one word? It's got to be tone. But when they get around grandma, they don't drop one F-bomb. You get around them, man, you're not swearing when you're at church. You're not swearing around mama. You're not swearing around grandma. You're not swearing around preacher. Come on now. But you get around them, you start stringing the old F-bombs, wrong friends. You got to make decisions. Because if you're going to change forward, you can't always drag the bell behind you. Some people, you got to be willing to cut loose. They're not your friends anyways. Because if they were your genuine friends, they would celebrate you and they would behave themselves around you without even feeling guilty out of honor and respect. Friendship demands honor and respect. Friendship demands sacrifice, which means it even means sacrificing what you agree with to make sure that you, that you build them up, encouraging them. So where, 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 where is friendship supposed to be? I'm almost done. Another hour, we'll be out of here. The ice cream is, is gonna, they're gonna keep it in the freezer until I'm done. We need true friends. Now, I, I mean, there's different levels, levels, even on true friendship. A lot of people want to be friends with my wife. But my wife doesn't view friendship the way most people view friendship. Her friendship with God is what sustains her. Not with humanity. I love you, but we're all too unstable. Turn to someone and say, yeah, that's all you got to say. As humans, we're unstable. True friendship is unconditional love, which means when somebody's growing in Christ, man, you're celebrating. When somebody's wounded, you're wounded. Listen now, if your unconditional, genuine friend is not heartbroken when you're heartbroken, they're actually not your friend. They're either a comrade or a, a whatever the other, constituent. One or the other. But a true friend is one that will be broken when you're broken, will rejoice when you're rejoicing, will encourage you when you need encouragement, will kick your butt when you need your butt kicked. And you know that they're a genuine friend and you're a genuine friend when they can kick your butt and you don't get so mad you try to get them out of your life. Say amen. We need genuine, unconditional friendship and that, I just want to encourage you, number one cannot come from another person. Here's how friends should be. Your number one best friend should be Jesus Christ. He is the only one, the only one 
who can actually meet your needs. A man can't meet your needs, ladies. A woman can't meet your needs, men. Mom and dad, your babies can't meet your needs, especially when they hit teenage years. Your pastor can't meet your needs. Your mommy and daddy can't meet your needs. There's only one that is said, I will be with you always. Always means that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, no matter where you are, no matter what you're feeling, no matter what you're thinking, he knows even the intentions of your heart. He will always be with you. He said, I will never forsake you. That is the number one friendship that people have to have. But the challenge is, because we are humanity, and we see humanity, but we don't see the eternal, it's so much easier to put our faith in someone we can see than someone we cannot see. And that's why faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That's why so many people, when you are not going to be faithful to the house of God, you're not going to be faithful in your daily devotions. You're going to struggle in this, and you're always going to seek after friendship more from a man or a woman than you are from God and you're going to live a disappointed life, a discouraged life and some an enclosed life because you can't get from man what you can get from God. He has got to be your number one best friend. Number two, if you're married, your best friend besides Jesus should be your spouse. Stay with the program. Ready? Number one, I can't tell you how many men have men friends that are closer to them than their spouse. That's out of order. But you want the benefits from the woman I can't tell you how many ladies will have a closer relationship with another lady. They'll be best friends with another lady, but won't be best friends with their husband. It gets worse. I can't tell you how many men have come up to me and said, yeah, my best friend, I'm thinking, oh, your wife. And no, no, he's talking about another woman. Well, my wife knows. <laughs> As a man, as a husband, you're not to be best friends with any other man. As a wife, you're not to be best friends with any other man than your husband. Say amen. As a husband, you should have no other best friend that is a woman. Understand? Because Jesus is your best friend. Your spouse should be your best friend. My wife and I, we haven't always agreed. We haven't always liked each other. But we are best friends. And we are unconditional. 
as much as sometimes I dislike her, and at times she dislikes me. Listen, it goes both ways. Anybody else going to lie? Are you going to lie? Tell me that's not true. Uh, come on now. I just looked at a couple that just, oh, there's another one. that they, they're, they're fresh in this love thing. They don't realize they're going to hate their spouse later on. <laughs> love, 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 love. But unconditional love is you're willing to work through it. Hella high water. Oh, that's right. We made a commitment, right? For better, for sicker, or sickness and in so long as we both shall all be happy. No. We both shall we work it, we work it through because we're friends. Don't always like each other. Don't always want to be around each other. My wife and I take separate vacations. This week we're going on a separate vacation. I'm doing the iron butt with my brother-in-law. And she's going to Florida. I'll be honest with you. I love my brother-in-law, but I'd rather be in Florida. <laughs> this is unconditional love right here. I'm unconditionally loving him with the iron bud. Amen. You should also have friendship within the body of Christ. Unless two are in agreement, they cannot walk together. Listen. You cannot be hanging around with the smoking, token, screwing crew and thinking that everything's all right. Bad company corrupts good morals. You've got to have godly, faith-filled individuals around you who will pick you up when you're struggling, who will speak life to you when you're going through the pit, who will stand with you when you're going through struggles. There are people that will declare faith and even rebuke you if necessary. You aren't going to get that from the world. You need faith friends. Can I hear an amen? You need people who believe in who God has called you to be, who know the word, are willing to stand on the word, who are willing to stand with you on the word. Bridget, man, you know what I'm talking about. My wife right over here, she's taking calls from Bridget at, at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning when her son stopped breathing. My, she, my wife would get, on a, get in a car, get on a plane. She'd do whatever she has to do to get where Bridget is. Why? Because, man, you know when you call my wife, she's going to be there because she is a genuine, God-fearing, loving friend. And it might not be that best friend because she already got a best friend. But you're a friend, and she'll be there with you. Those are friends you need. Many times the church is this, this twisted thing. But well, it's twisted because we came out of the world and we bring the concepts of the world into the church and think they're going to work. It don't work. Because that's not how God created it. And God created friendship. Some of you need to get healed up. Some of you are brokenhearted. You've had bad experiences with friends. You've subtracted yourself, you've surrounded yourself, you've isolated yourself. You got a smile on your face, but the fact is inside you're lonely. It's because you're wounded and you've gone into protective mode. I went into protective mode for probably about a year after my last Judas kiss. What a horrible place. It's a horrible place. It's a horrible place to know that you've allowed someone to infect your life so deeply that it stops God's plan in your life with intimacy. And you've got to make a 
decision in your life. That's why God's got to be first. Because Jesus had a Judas. Jesus had a Judas. The Son of God had a Judas. Which means you will have a Judas. But Jesus didn't dwell on Judas. He dwelt on his purpose. And the other men pushed his purpose. And success was there when he rose from the dead. What friends are in your life that you need to get out? Can you identify the ones that are just in your life because you don't agree with something that they don't agree with? Maybe you don't like your mama or daddy. Maybe you don't like some person. Maybe you don't like the boss at work. And they're your friends simply because you don't like the same thing. Or how about maybe you've got comrades in your life. The only reason they like you is simply because you like what they like. There's nothing wrong with having them there as long as you don't feed them there. How many of you have Jesus as your best friend? You know, people leave your life. Some people leave because they're mad. Some people leave because they move. Some people leave because they die. And if your best friend is wrapped up only there, it's a very sad place to live. Keep Jesus first. And no matter who comes in and who goes out, you can have a firm foundation. Amen? That's a good word today, isn't it? I might actually get saved myself. Jesus is a friend that will stick closer than a brother. He loves you. He believes in you. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for a friend. Jesus laid it down just for you. I don't know where you are in your relationship with Jesus, but he knows. And this is what he's doing. He's calling you out today to allow him to be your best friend because he loves you and he's proven it. Today, if I could have you bow your heads with me, why do I do that? Because I believe there are times that private moments have to occur. In your private moment with God, I want you to ask yourself a genuine question. Is Jesus your best friend or not? He made, he, he put stipulations now. If you love me, keep my commandments. So you can't be living in a sin and saying he's your friend because you've had friends like that. You got to live right. Today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you want to get right with God. You're online, you want to get right with God. You're watching the television program, you want to get right with God. This is your moment. Make him number one. Make him your best friend. Today, if you'd like to make Jesus your best friend, ask him to be your Lord and Savior. Get right with God. I'd like you to slide your hand up right now. I want to lead you to the best friend you ever had. Is there anyone in the room? Not going to wait real long. Five, four, come on, get your hand up. Three, two, thank you. See that young person's hand? You can put it right back down. 
and one. That means Jesus is your best friend, man. Don't lie to yourself. But if he's not, you need him. And today, maybe you've gone in protection mode. You've shut down people in your life because they've disappointed you. Well, what did you expect? It is impossible that man will not disappoint you. It is impossible that they will not hurt you. It is impossible that they will not disappoint you. It's impossible. Why? They're people. That's why there's only one best friend who's ever stable. That's Jesus. If you've shut yourself down, you need healing inside. This morning, if you need your broken heart healed, some of you are married. You still have never, never let your spouse in. If that's you. You want God to heal your heart, your broken heart. He said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. If that's you, I want you to slide your hand up right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Put them right back down. Thank you, young lady. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. It's going to be a great day of healing. If I could have the prayer team come to the front of the altar. This is Mindy. Hi, Mindy. This is my daughter-in-law. My son's wife. That would make sense. If you raise your hand for salvation, just a child right over there next to grandma, raise their hand for salvation. I want you to make sure the child comes. And if you didn't raise your hand, but you want to get right with God, right over here. If you raised your hand because you need God to heal your heart, there's nothing wrong with that. There's no pride in that. It's not weakness that you need healing, but it's crazy to come to a hospital and walk away without any medication. This is the house of God. And healing comes when hands are laid on. That's what the Word says. I believe the Bible. How about you? Amen. So as we dismiss, you raise your hand to have your heart healed. Come right to the altar. Find someone at the altar. They don't have to pray long. They're not going to spit on you. They're not going to try to push you over. They're just going to pray with you. And start the healing process. Let God start to restore your brokenness so that you can be friends with somebody and be a blessing. Amen? Father, I just speak blessing right now over to your house. I declare, Lord Jesus, that, Lord, everybody in this room, everybody online, I declare, Father, will know you in the intimacy that you created for them. I declare in the name of Jesus that this church will be truly known as it has been as a place that's friendly, that truly, genuinely loves people. Father, we pray for those who've left here that have left wounded. We pray, God, that you will heal their hearts, that Jesus, even the disappointments that they've had or disillusionments that, that have occurred, Father, that they will get their eyes on you, that, Jesus, you will restore them. God, we love you. We thank you that you've allowed us to be friends with heaven. God, we want to be and have the testimony of Abram that we will be friends with God. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price that we can know you, not just know about, but know you. 
as you pray, Jesus, we can be one with you as you are with the Father. We ask that that friendship be grown and matured in us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, on the way out, we have pony rides today for the babies. We have ice cream or salad for everybody else in the, in the foyer. I love you. Happy Friends Day. If you're a friend, make sure you come back at least three times. You need to come three times. And also, we have a room on the other side for, uh, for the guest reception. We love you. Have an awesome week.